0: Yes. Welcome, welcome everybody to TSN Hockey Analytics Season 5, Episode 2. You're listening on TSN 1050 Toronto. I'm Andy McNamara. Follow the show on Twitter at TSN Analytics, myself at AndyMC81. If you miss any of the show, want to go back to listen, whatever, we're on iTunes. Subscribe and rate us there. You can go onto the show section on TSN1050.ca. Scroll down, get us there or on the Twitter accounts. We'll make sure to pop it all up for you. So we got you covered guest today our usual cast of characters from tsn.ca travis yost and scott cullen heroes and zeros we'll talk some fantasy hockey from nhl.com's james harding and also another edition of the mckean's hockey yearbook is out and i'm going to chat with gus katseros a little bit later on in the show let's welcome it now travis yost from tsn.ca travis how's it going I'm doing good, Andy how you doing? I'm doing good, man doing good so it's just, it seems to the start of this NHL season. there is a lot of scoring. I'm not complaining. It's exciting, but it seems like there's there's a bunch and this past Sunday alone averaged ten point six goals per game on the three game three game schedule for that day. what do you think is the reasoning behind this high pace of offense so far?
1: Uh, it, it's a fascinating question because if you watch each game, it looks like no team either has any interest in playing defense or are so rusty that their attempts to play defense don't matter. Uh, the, the point that I always draw back to, though, is we need to see this sustain for, I think, a little bit longer before we start asking uh, questions of materiality about if goal scoring is actually up. Because if you look back last year, the year prior, and the year prior – Uh, The first two to three weeks, for whatever reason, uh, you could chalk it up to training camp rust. You could chalk it up to general defensive indifference. Uh, goal Goal scoring is always up in the very early stages of the season. Now, the difference between last year and prior years, if you remember, is last year goal scoring was up, and then it flattened out a bit, but it remained up year over year. Last year was actually the first year, and I think the last 11 years, really the modern era since 2007 or so. Um, where goal scoring was effectively up the course of the entire season. I think save percentage dropped about 0.02, uh, across the entire league last year. So last year was actually the first time we've seen a season where goal scoring was uh, pretty considerably up, uh, over, over prior periods. And that was thanks in large part to teams like Tampa Bay, Toronto, Winnipeg having elite offensive teams for 82 games. I, that's kind of why I, I, you know, I, I don't know how much to make about a game, you know, a day where three games have just ridiculous goal scoring. But I I look at this year's – these the rosters this year and what we had last year, and I still think goal scoring can can remain pretty prominent here. I mean, we're still talking about seven, eight, nine teams that are truly loaded with offensive talent. And of those teams, I don't know, five of them, six of them are also defensively challenged. So, you know, I I expect the defense to tighten up as the season progresses, but I still think this year is going to look a lot like last year where, you know, these elite offensive teams – they may take a, a marginal step back as the season progresses, but they're still going to be comfortably putting three, three and a half, four goals in a game.
0: Do you put any of this on the smaller goalie equipment? That the tweaks there, or is that just you know, not not that big? It's of a deal. way
1: too early. I, I don't yeah. know how anyone could possibly say yeah. uh, that, that that is a, a differentiator yet. Um, I, I do think though we will have an ample sample of data probably by the midpoint of this year. If not, you know, if not then then the full season where we can at least compare year over year to see, you know. The, the beauty of that is that's the one real control we have, right? Like, that's yeah. the one big change that's been made year over year. So we could take a peek at that and see if it's actually had a material difference after we have enough games under the belt. Um, but right now, the only thing that I think you could say about the goalie equipment is some of the goalies appear to hate it. What was it Brian Elliott was saying yeah. he's, his body head to toe has been bruised and it's, bruised. it's not doing what it's supposed to be doing?
0: In conversation with Travis Yost from TSN.ca on Twitter, at Travis Yost. Travis, let's swing over to the Toronto Maple Leafs here. Top Guns came out firing, of course, without William Nylander, still holding out. But Austin Matthews has been especially strong when it comes to scoring. Do you feel that Matthews has what it takes to be a league leader in either goals or points, or dare I say it, maybe even both?
1: Uh, Yes, and the reason why is pretty simple. He's already one of, I don't know, the three best goal scorers in the league, four best, five best, whatever you want to call it. He plays on maybe the league's best or second best offense, and you know, he's he, the guys he's trying to chase down, I mean, look at the handful of guys who scored, you know, Austin Matthews missed time last year, but they're basically the cluster of goal scorers, elite goal scorers, year over year. You've got to catch Connor McDavid, either goals yeah. or points. And, look, McDavid, I think, is indisputably the best player in the league. Um, I know there was some furious debate on uh, Thursday on Twitter about whether or not Matthews had caught McDavid, but I think we pumped the brakes a little bit on that. Uh-huh. I think McDavid's still clearly the best player. The problem with McDavid, though, is he plays on a crappy team. I mean, that, that's pretty much the end of it. Right. Uh, Austin Matthews does not have that constraint. I mean, he is loaded with wingers, um, top to bottom. Mike Babcock can flex five or six guys up into that, onto that line as he sees fit, and all of them are going to generally produce. So that's not only going to help the goal scoring, but it's also going to help, help the general point totals. Other guys he's trying to catch, Patrick Line, obviously an elite goal scorer. I think if, uh, you know, if you put those two on par, um, they're they're very very close in terms of goal scoring talent. Linea probably a little bit better, but from a points perspective, you know Linea's assist total is not really ever matched. Matthews to begin with, so I don't think he's a worry there. And William Carlson, you know William Carlson had an unbelievable year this last year. I think most people expected him to regress back into the twenty five thirty goal range, whatever the case is. Um, he's gotten off to a generally slow start, like most of the Vegas Knights have. So again, like you, you kind of go down the list. I, I'm not, I'm not mentioning Ovechkin. I, I don't even want to waste my breath on Ovechkin, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. probably the best goal scorer in history. He Still otherwise noted. I mean, he he ran rough shot on the night on Wednesday. Um, he is the best goal scorer in the league. So if you start, that you can be at best two. Uh, you know, Matthews has a really good shot at getting into that two spot, and I think he's got a really good shot at. At uh, getting into the top two or three in point holes, too. I mean, even last year he was well over a point a game sure. in sixty-two games. I think people just people just lost sight of that fact because he missed so much time.
0: Yeah, and a quick shout out to Ovi, of course, on Wednesday, passing Bobby Hall for sole possession of seventeenth overall in the all-time scoring list. So some pretty good company there for for Ovi as he keeps rolling along. Uh, one more Maple Leaf question here for you, Travis. Talk about Matthews. How about Morgan Riley? Like his his offensive output is it's something that he's always had. But should we start thinking about Morgan Riley as maybe grouping him with the elite level of offensive defenseman in the NHL?
1: I, I don't know about that just yet. And the reason why is, you know, I wrote about this on Thursday, but you're going to have to at some time partial out the impact that all of these ridiculous goal scores that they have in the forward group are having on defenseman point totals or vice versa in, in many cases. But You know, in Toronto's case, if you look at the Morgan-Riley pairing or the Jake Gardner pairing, they they kind of float around the top nine depending on how Mike Babcock's deploying them on a a road situation or a home game. But generally speaking, Morgan-Riley is either taking a shift with the Matthews line or the Tavares line. And, you know, you brought up Matthews earlier and how he's off to this explosive, ridiculous start. He's got seven goals. It's, you know, is he the best player in the NHL, blah, blah, blah. John Tavares has six goals. Like, their, their line has yeah, been almost yeah. as good as the Matthews line. So, you know, when when you're playing almost 80% of your minutes with either the Austin Matthews line or the John Tavares line, it's going to have a demonstrable impact on your point totals. Do I think Morgan Riley's a good player? Yes. I, I've said it for four, five, six years. I think he's got some defensive issues, no doubt about that. But the guy clearly can move the puck. He's clearly a playmaker in the offensive zone. And, yes, he absolutely does complement the skill sets of the guys in front of him. But uh, knowing what we know about the Toronto Leafs, the Maple Leafs forwards, especially how they produced last year, you add in Tavares and look how explosive they've been all year. That's going to drive point totals. And we've got to be careful if to, to not double count in these instances where, you know, we, we we basically see one data point, which is Toronto's offense and then apply all of that to all of the individual components mm-hmm. when some guys are probably pulling the weight more than others.
0: Gotcha. And I want to stick with defensemen for a second. You wrote earlier in the week on TSN.ca exploring the San Jose Sharks and how they've been managing their minutes with plenty of talent on their roster, and so many. Oh, there's only so many minutes to spread out, right, against that, that defensive group. So early in the year, what patterns have you seen out of the Sharks that could point to how they will be managing ice time?
1: Oh, San, San Jose is fascinating. First off, San Jose looks phenomenal. I mean, they're out yeah, shooting. They, they got sixty-four to sixty-five percent possession in their first four games. They put eight goals on the Flyers. I know they had an ugly game on Long Island, but they look fantastic. Uh, the The interesting thing with San Jose is obviously been on the back end, where um, Eric Carlson has assumed you know that that role on the top pairing with Mark Edward Vlasic. Um, they they are obviously predominantly playing with top six forwards. But what it what it has done has created this interest, really interesting dynamic where Brent Burns is the anchor on the second pairing now, and while Burns is still playing a ton of minutes, he still plays extensively with Carlson on the power play. Um, you know, Carlson's actually been killing some penalties, which is interesting, an interesting little wrinkle that San Jose's thrown. But the, the most fascinating piece now is Brent Burns is generally playing the same amount of minutes as Carlson and Vlasic, maybe just a minute or a shift or two less. But he's playing more with middle six forwards and depth forwards against weaker competition. And it is it is unbelievable to watch when San Jose's depth is out there and they have either the, the Burns pairing behind them or the Carlson pairing behind them because the ice is just tilted in a way that you really don't see when depth guys are on the ice. And a lot of that is born out of the fact that now and this is why the Sharks made this move. They know 85% of the time they're either going to have Carlson or Burns on the ice and you can do so much with that. And you know, I was looking at possession numbers for San Jose and their bottom six. Their third and fourth line are pulling like 75% possession in the first four games. I mean, really? yes, that that is high. It's going to come down, but when you when you think that every four shots San Jose San Jose is getting three of them, uh <laughs> you know, over a four-game stretch A lot of that has to do, yes, their depth forwards have talent, but you're playing with high-end first-pairing guys behind you on almost every single shift, generally against other second- and third-pairings and third- or fourth-lines. It is a decisive advantage, and I expect San Jose to exploit it all year.
0: Well, it's going to be fun to watch. Travis, thanks so much, buddy. Let's do it again next week. All right, take care, Andy. There he goes, Travis Yost from TSN.ca. I must follow on Twitter, at Travis Yost. After the break, Gus Katsaro stops by to go over another great edition of his McKean's Hockey Yearbook. We'll chat about that still to come. Heroes and Zeros and Fantasy Hockey Talk right here on TSN Hockey Analytics on TSN 1050.
2: Get the meaning behind the numbers and more. You're listening to TSN Hockey Analytics on TSN 1050, the voice of hockey.
0: Welcome back to TSN Hockey Analytics here on TSN 1050 Toronto. Andy McNamara with you on Twitter at AndyMC81. The show at TSN Analytics. We are delivered by Domino's. Go grab yourself a medium feast pizza loaded with fresh toppings for just $10.99. Check out all the delivery and carryout specials at dominoes.ca. That's dominoes.ca. very happy to have my next guest on. Returning to the program in our Season 5, Episode 2, author of the McKean's Hockey Yearbook. Hey, it's Gus Ceros, Gus, how's it going, man? I'm
3: doing great. Thanks for having me back on.
0: Well, thank you, and thank you for providing another great edition of McKean's Hockey Yearbook. Now, this, folks, if you haven't checked this out, this is a must-have material for all hockey fans, especially those interested in doing well in their fantasy league. So let's start with the cover of the book. Now, it features Patrick Laine. Alexander Ovechkin, the caption, generational sniper. Now, as this season has started, it feels like Austin Matthews of the Maple Leafs is becoming one of the league's most consistent goal producers. Do you feel Matthews, if he reaches his full potential, is capable of surpassing Laine and Ovechkin in a given season and leading the entire league in goals?
3: absolutely i mean right off the bat i mean we're seeing a little bit of a um, of an accelerated scoring um coming really early in the season here from Matthews, so obviously we can't expect that to be a sustainable uh pace but i mean he's scored 40 goals he's already at the point where he's capable enough to um, either take the puck in and score on on the zone or or incorporate his teammates he's so good in 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 just picking little areas where there's uh um, some kind of an opening, he stays close to the net. So having surpassed 40 and considering the competition and how hard it really is to score goals and the fact that he's making it look like it's just child's play, um, uh, there's no reason to believe that Austin Matthews can't win the, um, the Rocket Richard Trophy completely and outright. Add a little bit of an instance to perhaps an injury to Patrick Liney and perhaps Connor McDavid, who are probably more uh, in the competition to win um, uh, to score the most goals, more so than Alex Ovechkin, I feel, this year. Um, and, you know, Matthews could top that list very, very handily. Man,
0: that would be be a lot of fun for Leafs fans. And one of the, the, the great chunks of McKean's yearbook that you were responsible for is titled Managing Expectations. And we know in Toronto... Leaf fans uh, not always the most rational, and that's fine. That's, that's why it's fans. It's shorts for, for fanatics. But what would you say to, to the irrational Leaf fan right now who thinks, hey, you know what, times are good. This golden age will never end. Matthews and John Tavares will be the league's best players and that the Leafs will go problem-free through this regular season. I know that's, that's, that's not necessarily likely, but you take that tandem of, of Matthews and Tavares being at the top of the food chain all year long. How do you think that's going to play out?
3: Well, it's interesting. You kind of figured that going into the season, there was a lot of chatter about, well, who's going to score more and who's going to be more effective and all of that. I felt all along that Austin Matthews is currently and will consistently be the Leafs' best player. Um, uh, To me, him winning the scoring title for the Leafs Outright was was a no-brainer. The fact that they're able to split the offense and really do a good job in terms of balancing offensive output um, between them and whoever they're ending up playing with, it really is good times for Leaf fans. There there there's a lot of excitement, there's a lot of of positive energy, there's a lot of goals and a lot of offense, and those are really exciting elements that brings fans to their uh, to their seats. However. Sustainability over the course of the season. Clearly, we need to manage those expectations. There's, the pace isn't going to ha- uh, going to hold up. Teams will start to become a little tighter. They'll understand what the Leafs are doing. They'll focus and adjust. But at the same time, I still have a lot of concerns. For instance. It's nice that they brought in John Tavares and the Leafs are an offensive juggernaut and all of that. But the elements that really made them vulnerable against the Boston Bruins in the playoffs last year still have yet to be addressed. Yeah, A lot of the, a lot of the issues became uh, stemmed from the fact that Boston really controlled the play. They were able to retrieve loose pucks. They did a fantastic job of limiting the Leafs um, in terms of getting to loose pucks. Those things haven't been addressed, and until they are addressed or somehow rectified, and we'll see over 82 games in the regular season, uh, I'm I'm not as convinced that they could really go for a long run in the playoffs, but they will provide a damn entertaining season.
0: <laughs> yeah, the, the journey will be good. And Gus, I think that's a, that's a great point, because come playoff time, we know things clamp up, right? And if that offense is not producing at the same level as it was during the regular season in the playoffs, that's where things could get troublesome for the Leafs. One more Toronto question for you here. Uh, William Nylander, the contract negotiations. Any, idea, any thoughts on how this is going to play out? Are, are you surprised that it's may it's come this far with this long of a holdout?
3: Yeah, I'm a little concerned over how long it's taken. Um, I'm not concerned over the Leafs having the ability to sign nilander i feel that they probably already have a plan in place um, it's just a matter of both sides coming together and and i'd like to think that that's going to happen sooner rather than later i'm sure that a lot of leafs fans are going to definitely want to see nilander in in the blue and white again um, the mention of him possibly moving to another organization because they can't re-sign him i think is a bit more of a a a creation of the press more so than a hockey conversation um, and at the same time kind of going back to the little points that we were discussing about playoff hockey if you are able to provide offensive talent on a variety of different lines and you do have the ability to get the puck back on a consistent basis that balanced offense is going to be more so important um, than it was in the past that includes an equation with Nylander in the blue and white rather than Nylander being moved for another asset.
0: In conversation with Gus Katseros of McKean's Hockey Yearbook on Twitter, at CatsHockey, that is cats with a K. Okay, let's go to the four S's of scouting here. If you can give us a little preview of that, Gus, you break it down in the McKean's Hockey Yearbook, and on top of breaking down what the four S's of scouting are, is there a singular S that is more important than all the rest?
3: Well, the four S's are pretty simple. Speeds, smarts skills, and skating. So you could essentially break down a player's skill set based on those uh, major categories. Each of those categories has subcategories as well. And, and I mean, they can also overlap. For instance, um, skating and speed have two similar components. So if you have a really fast guy that can skate very well, um, that's one thing. But if you have a fast player that is only good northwest and doesn't have a lot of lateral agility, then the skills component is a little bit dry rather than a really good speed element. So the the fact is balance is key here and you're looking for elements that are really going to portray um, what a player can do. And to me, I find what we've, Become is we look at something similar to what like EA Sports does with NHL 98 or whatever, or 19 or whatever the case is, and we assign a value to a, sp- a particular skill, and that's not how it works. Mm. You need to be able to integrate, and the amalgamation of all your skills and the integration of them is what creates success. So you asked about which actually is the most important to me, smarts. You can do a lot with a smart player. Even with certain limitations, um, um, skating is the biggest thing. I think that if you can't really get around in the league, and especially at the pace that the NHL demands, that's definitely a problem. But if you have the smarts to be able to get to the spaces where you feel the pucks are going to be, that's what a good goal scorer does. A good hard shot is one element of a good score, but you desperately need to be able to get into those spots where you're able to exploit those skills. So the four Ss essentially breaks everything down, and smarts is the most important element that will allow a player to be able to compete fully in the NHL.
0: And you can find all that, of course, in the McKean's Hockey Yearbook. We've already talked about the Maple Leafs. Let's swing to some of the other Canadian teams. And when it comes to serious Canadian Cup contenders, it's pretty much the Winnipeg Jets, then the Leafs, and everybody else. But is there any other Canadian market that you feel is destined for an extended playoff run? Maybe not the whole thing, but who can maybe jump up and, and have a good year?
3: Absolutely. The Calgary Flames. I mean, we're looking at it from the perspective of of what they did last year and some of the struggles, but, you know, letting go of Dougie Hamilton and moving on from him and bringing in Noah Hannafin and Elias Lindholm, Uh, the trade seemed to look a little lopsided in the offseason, but we're seeing that Lindholm is now all of a sudden contributing very well. Hannafin will definitely be able to step in and play a similar but not as effective role as Hamilton. Um, I feel that they have a bit of an aging but effective blue line. They have stability net and they have a lot of power, firepower up front so it might be a bit of a dark horse but I really wouldn't be surprised to see the Flames do a little bit of damage during the regular season and pick up momentum and perhaps be one of those dark horse teams that really does go far as far as Canadian content is concerned.
0: Well, And what about the other Alberta team, Edmonton? There's Connor McDavid you know the best player in the world right? and you think okay he's on there there's always a chance and, and two years ago the, it looked like they were going to go deep and took a step back what do you make of the, uh, of the Edmonton Oilers?
3: Yeah, you know, it's, it's a tough situation. If to, to your points for everything that you said, when Connor McDavid is on the ice, the Oilers are electrifying. Yeah. When he's not on the ice, they're pretty much the equivalent of a very, very good AHL team. Oh, and that is a distinct divide that is very difficult to overcome. And it's not just a matter of talent, it's also a matter of the way that they play. Teams are able to overpower when Connor McDavid isn't on the ice. So now going back to, again, this offseason, you see a lot of improvements in Calgary. You see a little bit of change in, in across a lot of teams that required something, something to get them over the hump, and Edmonton did nothing. They didn't improve. They didn't add anything. They didn't subtract. Um, to me, I find that it's not like they didn't attempt to do anything, but perhaps the assets that they were offering just weren't able to bring up enough of a return to be able to complement whatever they currently have on their roster. So as far as is concerned, even if they do end up becoming just playoff contenders, I don't have a very good feeling moving forward with them, um, with the current makeup of their systems.
0: And last one for you here, Gus. What what do you make, we talked about in the first segment with Travis Yost, the crazy goal totals we've seen so far to start the year in the NHL. Is it something related to how teams are just ironing out their systematic problems early in the year, that kind of training camp extension? Or is the NHL on a long-term pace to see more scoring than we've ever seen before over a full season?
3: Well, I think that it's a pretty wide, wide-open subject here. But I feel that, for the most part, one we're seeing an influx of a lot of younger talent that are more than just ready to play in the NHL, they are capable of producing in the NHL. So that seasoning that perhaps was there maybe a few years ago um, just isn't there anymore. So now players at a developmental stage are actually jumping in and providing scoring output. And that, to me, I think is one of the bigger turnarounds. Um, Add to the fact that Players and coaches are starting to do a little bit um, are starting to do things in a little bit of a different fashion. One of the things that I think we're going to end up seeing especially this year is stars or offensive talent being used to kill penalties and if you start putting talent on the ice that's able to generate scoring in a situation where perhaps the defense is not necessarily in tune because on the power play you probably have your best offensive players on there it's going to potentially increase shorthanded goals if you have a good Steady amount of even strength scoring, a good steady amount of power play scoring similar to what levels have been in the past, but you're adding another element of shorthanded scoring, Goal scoring goes up. Add to the fact that you have younger, more developed, ready to play talent in the NHL, scoring goes up add to the fact that perhaps we're still in October and just out of fresh out of the preseason and, and systems aren't as tight as they should be. Um, nine game looks for rookies and stuff like that. So it all adds up individually. It may not necessarily mean much. But when you put everything together, it really does show that the NHL is really looking at to become more of an offensive league and they're bringing in players to support that. And the systems itself are also being put into a situation to support that as well. So I love it. Like from an entertainment perspective, goals are goals. And that makes for a very exciting product.
0: Gary Bettman likes offense because offense equals cash. Gus, thank you (laughs) so much as always, man. Really appreciate you being on the show again. The
3: pleasure is always mine guys. Thanks very much.
0: There he is, Gus Katseros of McKean's Hockey Yearbook. Make sure you check that out on Twitter, at Cats with a K after the break. Some NHL fantasy talk with NHL.com's fantasy expert and our resident fantasy expert, it's James Harding. That is next on TSN Hockey Analytics here on TSN 1050.
2: Get the meaning behind the numbers and more. This is TSN Hockey Analytics on TSN 1050, the voice of hockey.
0: Back we are here on TSN Hockey Analytics on TSN 1050 Toronto. I'm Andy McNamara on Twitter. Get the show at TSN Analytics. Myself at Andy mc 81 You can download and subscribe us to the podcast on iTunes, the show page on TSN1050.ca, and, of course, on Twitter. Well, let's get into some fantasy hockey talk here with my guy from NHL.com fantasy expert, James Harding. James, how's it going, bud?
2: Uh, I don't know, uh, who's doing better, Andy, me or the Maple Leafs after that 7-6 overtime win really? earlier this week. I mean, you want to talk about fantasy stats? What a
0: game for fantasy, fat that, that was. Oh, yeah. Well, you know what? Uh, what I wanted to do this week, James, is kind of take, because we're still early on in the season. So let's take kind of a broad view when it comes to the Canadian teams and the fantasy options on it. Because let's face it, part of fantasy hockey is you like to pick the players that are on the team that you like. So that's that's all part Absolutely. of the fun. Absolutely. Whether it's uh, for your, your league you're drafting, whether it's for DFS, DraftKings, whatever, that's part of the fun. So let's swing around. Like each Canadian team, and, and give me who you think the top fantasy producer will be, and then a sleeper. So for the Maple Leafs, now I would just say Austin Matthews. But is John Tavares somebody we got to consider as a top producer too?
2: You know, somebody once told me that both of them are really good at hockey, uh, <laughs> I, I thought that was I thought that was pretty good analysis right there. So I'm <laughs> I'm gonna say they're both really good at hockey. Um, I think Austin Matthews right now is the safer pick. Uh, He's doing a little bit more all around than John Tavares. He's one of the league leaders in goals, one of the league leaders in points. He's producing both scoring and with assists on the power play. Uh, Tavares has really only produced uh, goals so far, but never a bad problem to have. Uh, But I think the all-around production that you're seeing from Matthews right now at both even strength and on the power play is going to serve him a lot more. And I think just having John Tavares there has helped take some of the pressure off of Matthews, kind of like what happened with Matt Barzell and the Highlanders last year. Having Tavares there forced a lot of teams to take pressure off of Matt Barzell. I think the same thing is happening with Austin Matthews. And a guy who's playing with Austin Matthews right now is my sleeper for that team, oh. and that's uh, Kasperi Kapanen. When you look at what he's done in this first handful of games with Matthews, he has been super productive. He was a guy who had spent most of his career so far in the short career that he's had in the bottom six. Now he's getting a chance on the top line in the first game that him and Matthews were together. Uh, he had a, a goal and an assist because of Matthews. So uh, if he stays there, he's a real deep sleeper in both season long and, and daily aspects. And, and I love where the two of them are jailing right now. And that might be bad news for William Nylander unless yeah. he comes back pretty soon.
0: Well, I was going to say that. that He kind of depends on what happens with William Nylander. But the good thing is, yeah, if you can pick him off a waiver, slide him in while it produces, and if things taper off, okay, you know, whatever, that's that's fine. But it, on and on the the daily play, you keep going going with him until he gives you a reason not to, right? Like that's that's all about the... The type of value, and he's uh, he's still a good buy if you're slotting him into your your classic DraftKings lineup.
2: Absolutely, one hundred percent. Until he gets too expensive, where you're like, I don't know if I want to pay that for him. You roll with him every night that he's with Austin Matthews. Yeah,
0: he's forty. If you put him in a DraftKings lineup, that so far he's forty seven hundred bucks. That's not bad. Top line guy, forty seven hundred. I t- take it. I'm good with that. Roll with that. That's totally fine. All right, let's slide along to Ottawa. Uh, boy, uh, this might be a little trickier. <laughs>
2: Yeah, you know, and this one I thought about for a while, but just based off of his his game that he had earlier this week, only his second career game, I have to say it's Brady to Chuck. Um, two goals and an assist the other night, six shots on goal, four hits, skating on the top line with, with Matthew Shane and uh, Mikel Bodker over there. He just has the highest upside of anybody offensively on that team, uh, especially in keeper and redraft leagues. I have to say that no matter what he does this year going forward right now for the next few years, he's really going to be their top fantasy option. And then the sleeper for the Senators on defense, I love Thomas Shabbat. What he's doing right now, he's taking over as a young defenseman, playing big minutes, filling in Eric Carlson's former spot, both on the first defensive pair at even strength and running the point on their first power play unit so I really love what Thomas Shabbat is doing there right now. If you need a third or fourth defenseman in any league, and, of course, taking a flyer on him as well in daily fantasy, because he's a guy on a team like that who's going to get 20 to 25 minutes a night in every situation. So he's going to give you production in some way, shape, or form.
0: And we kind of roll through the ugly part of the country again. Uh, Ottawa, then Montreal, ugly not as in beauty, but as far as hockey play. Uh, the Canadians, what are you thinking?
2: Well, it's got to be carry Price as their yeah. top fantasy yeah. performer. Um, you know, he's coming off of a career-worst season last year, 16-26-7, 311 goals against average, and a 900 save percent. It's all the worst marks of his career. But so far, through the first couple, week, of the, week and a half of the season, he's looked very strong, looked like the carry Price of old that we're used to. That first game against the Toronto Maple Leafs, after that game, you heard all the Maple Leafs players saying that's a good hockey team. They're a lot better than people think they are. And I think when you have Carey Price at the top of his game like he looks right now, he's going to keep them in games. He may not always give you a win, but he, I think he's going to give you the the very good peripheral stat numbers, the save percentage and the goals against that we're used to getting from Carey Price in the past. And my sleeper, I'm going to go defense again with this one, and it's Jeff Petrie oh. with uh, Shea Weber out long-term until about December. Petrie is going to be the guy kind of a la Thomas Shabbat with the Senators. Uh, Petrie is running the first pair at even strength, and he's running the point uh, on the, the first power play unit, and he's coming off career highs in goals with 12, assists with 30, points with 42, and uh, 178 shots on goal, and he had 23 power play points last year from a guy who a lot of people for a number of years when he was with uh, Edmonton said, this guy's only a defensive defenseman. He's starting to show the offensive side of his game, and until Weber comes back, he's really going to be the guy there.
0: In conversation with James Harding, NHL.com fantasy hockey expert. You can ask him any fantasy hockey question you want on Twitter at Harding underscore hockey. All right. So out of Montreal now, oh boy, we go to the big guns. We go to the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, it's it's the Jets and the Maple Leafs when it comes to true Stanley Cup contenders out of Canada. Your, your top fantasy producer, you think, out of the Jets and a sleeper there.
2: Yeah, and, and the Jets are my, my favorite to win the Stanley Cup, actually. My preseason prediction was, was Winnipeg over Tampa Bay for the, for the Cup. So uh, I, I love this team, and, and what's not to love about them? But Patrick Laine is their guy, uh, second in goals scored since he's entered the league behind only Alex Ovechkin. Uh, and when you look at what he did last year, 44 goals, I think 40 is easily attainable again for him this season. 250-plus uh, shots and 25 to 30 power play points. So he's the top guy right there. And my sleeper there, a guy who I absolutely love as a deep sleeper in a lot of leagues this year, Jack Roslovic, Third-line center there right now, but I have a feeling that if Line A and Nikolai Ehlers don't mesh very well with Brian Little early in the season, Roslovic is going to get his shot to center that second line, and I really, really am excited to see what he can do. He's a guy who had 87 points uh, in, excuse me, 83 points in 97 career AHL games before his call-up last year when he had uh, 14 points in 31 games in the NHL. So I would love to see a young guy like that get a shot with Ehlers and, and Line A for an extended period of time. And if he does, watch out. I think he has 50-point potential written all over him.
0: That's an awesome sleeper. I love that. Okay, let's go to Edmonton, James. Let's assume it's Connor McDavid as your top fantasy producer. Who's your sleeper with the Oilers?
2: Uh, I love Keller Yamamoto over there. Uh, he had three assists and 23 shots on goal in a nine-game tryout before they sent him back to juniors last year. Obviously, they've only played a handful of games so far, so it's kind of really hard to see any roster trends. But he played with McDavid early last season before he got sent down. He's playing on the second line right now with Recital and Lucic. But if Ty Ratti falters on that top line, I think Yamamoto is going to be the first in line to get bumped up and play with McDavid again. He's also playing on the second power play unit there, so I like him as a top six player with either DeCidal or McDavid for the remainder of the year.
0: And let's uh, swing along quick here. The Calgary Flames, who uh, look like, hey, you know what, they might be a dark horse to make some noise come playoff time if they can get there.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's it's Johnny Gaudreau is their top guy there. Uh, You know, he had a great season last year, tied for 16th in the league with 84 points scored. Um, but the sleeper there is one of their acquisitions in the offseason. I love Elias Lindholm. Yeah. I think with an expanded role there playing on the first line with Gaudreau and Monahan, he's playing with the best playmakers he's ever played with in his career. So I really am excited to see what he can do there. And I think he's going to have a productive year.
0: And we finish up on the West Coast, your top fantasy producer and sleeper for the Vancouver Canucks.
2: Yep. And it's Brock Besser is their number one guy there, though Elias Petterson I think is going to have a really, really big year. Everybody knows who both of them are right now, so I can't really choose Pettersson as a sleeper pick. Um, I love uh, Nikolai Goldobin though. He's playing with Pettersson on that second line right now. Very, very productive line with Louis Erickson there as well. But I would also say look at Alex Edler. He has exposure to both Besser and Pettersson at even strength. Uh, between their two lines, and he's also exposed to both of them uh, as the point man on the power play unit. So I love uh, both Goldobin and Edler in Vancouver at Sleeper Picks.
0: James, you are the man, brother. People can ask their fantasy hockey questions. See you at Harding underscore hockey. That's on Twitter, and check out all your great work at nhl.com. Thank you so much.
2: All right, brother. I'll talk to you soon.
0: That was James Harding from NHL.com. And folks, you know what? Uh, like, we'll get into this more as the season goes on. But the, the daily plays for the NHL, DraftKings has really stepped up their game. I, I'm liking the showdown option. So you got the classic where it's like the, the $50,000 salary cap and the tier option too where you can pick d- who's going to be the best player out of each tier. But if, let's say, you're out with your buddies and you're watching one game, and you're like, this game, you can play in showdown where you just pick players and they're all flex. You don't have to figure out a position, just all flex spots. It's really cool. And especially if you're focusing on one game, it's, it's pretty neat. So give that a try at DraftKings there. We're going to wrap up the show next with heroes and zeros from TSN.ca. Scott Cullen. All coming up on TSN Hockey Analytics.
2: Get the meaning behind the numbers and more. You're listening to TSN Hockey Analytics on TSN 1050,
0: the voice of hockey. Back to wrap up another edition of season five for TSN hockey analytics. I'm Andy McNamara. I get the show on Twitter at TSN analytics, myself at Andy MCD1. If you missed any of it, shame on you, but you can go find it at iTunes, subscribe and rate us there on the show page on TSN1050.ca. And of course, we'll have it popped up on our Twitter. Well, let's get to my guy TSN.ca, Scott Collins. Scotty, how's it going? Great. How you doing, Andy? I'm doing well. And in the last segment, we spoke with uh, James Harding on some fantasy talk for NHL.com and took a big picture view of the season for top fantasy producers and sleepers for each Canadian team. So I want to do a similar thing here since it's still early in the season for heroes and zeros. So if we sure. go, if we go through kind of like the Maybe position like a top center, winger, defense, and goalie for who you project as as the long term hero for the season, and then some guys who who might who might regress along the way.
4: Sure, sure. Uh, so let's start with the heroes. My, my hero at center is Evgeny Kuznetsov. Hmm. Um, and, and what I've kind of done here is I, I I look at you know where I had guys projected uh, in in my top three hundred scores and in my fantasy rankings, and you know kind of what they've done here in the very early part of the season, you know. Do, do I have doubts about, um, you know, where my projection was? And, and like, yes, I could take Austin Matthews. He obviously is off mm-hmm. to an amazing start. Uh, but Evgeny Kuznetsov, I think, is, is interesting is I, I, I project him to be sixth in scoring in the league, uh, and, and I'm already wondering whether that might end up being low, wow. um, just because, I mean, he, he had a really good season last year, uh, career high in points, and. You know, it just seems that he's in a really good spot playing with Ovechkin. Like it's just a a nice mix of their uh, abilities. You know, Kuznetsov is a tremendous passer, a great setup guy, and obviously Ovechkin likes to shoot everything that, that comes in his direction. And so, um, yeah, Kuznetsov starts as, as my hero at center because uh I, I think he's he's probably in line to score at least as much as he did last year as long as he stays healthy. Uh, on the wing, I'm going with David Pasternak. Um, of the Bruins. Again kind of a rising star. Um, but the 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 situation for Pasternak is uh, about as good as it gets. Um, that you get to play with uh, Brad Marchand and and Patrice Bergeron they that line together. Uh they it's funny they they started the season the first game they, they didn't do a whole lot um, surprisingly and then ever, ever since they've just sort of been uh ripping it up and, and they're they're just they're so dominant and, and Pasternak adds um, I guess a higher level of skill to that line. Like they were good when it was um, Bergeron and Marchand uh, before, but by adding Pasternak on the right side, they, they sort of kicked it up a notch.
0: Nice. So that's for the the forward group, the center and top winger for your projected heroes. What about on defense?
4: Uh, on defense, I'm going with Zach Lorefsky, who, who hasn't you know ripped it up here yet early in the season. However, um, there are some some favorable factors uh, going for Wierenski. One, he, he's playing quite a bit more than he did last year. Um, and uh, I think some of that would be power play time uh, due to Seth Jones being uh, out of the Blue Jackets lineup. Uh, and the the one thing, because Wierenski had, had a good year last year, but he also had a, a shoulder that was completely messed up. And, and, and so, you know, coming back with a, you know, with good health this season, I think Morensky, you know, playing 24, 25 minutes a night for Columbus, uh, has a chance to put up some pretty big numbers. Uh, and then my goaltender, uh, I'm going with John Gibson. He was my pick for the Vesna last year. Um, I thought he had an awesome season, uh, and... You know, I haven't seen uh, anything in the early going this season to to contradict it. Uh, you know, he, he's been fantastic, and and I mean, frankly, he's he's playing behind a bad team right now in Anaheim, like a, a bad team that's also hit by injuries, and yeah. uh, and so he's huh. he's had to make a lot of saves, and and so far he has.
0: So those are the projected heroes for the year. Now, what about the zeros? And and this is more along the lines of guys who maybe are a bit over or who you see really regressing. If we go with, with the two yeah. forward groups, the center and wing.
4: All right. Well, my my center is is the most obvious of them all. William Carlson. Yeah. Um, you know, scored his forty three goals last year and shot twenty three percent. An awesome, amazing story. But come on, no one expects <laughs> that he can do that again this year. Uh, and, and I mean, and part of it part of it is because he's he's not a huge shot generator. Um, you know, the, the guys who who we kind of come to expect to be the leading scorers, they're getting three, four, you know, sometimes five shots per game. Carlson doesn't do that. You know, he's under two uh, shots per game, and so it's really tough to to score at, at that elite rate when you're, when you're not generating that many shots. I mean, I, I think he can still be a very valuable player for Vegas if he scores half as many goals as he did last season, um, but I, I think it's almost an automatic that he's not going to be uh, scoring 43 goals. Uh, on the wing, I'm going with Mark Stone, and I, and I say this with with all due respect for Mark Stone, who I think is a really good player, I think he doesn't have very much help um, yeah. in Ottawa right now. And, uh, you know, he, he he may, I mean, if he plays the whole season in Ottawa, he may uh, have another 60-plus point season. But, you know, last year he was, um, you know, he was over 60 points despite missing a bunch of time with injuries. Uh, and I, I think... Uh, you know he was better than a point per game last year and i, I can't imagine that he's going to be able to do that with that Senators supporting cast this year so um i I'm, I'm expecting some regression from mark stone though maybe not the fault of mark stone
0: right yeah just his his situation so that's a forward what about defense and goalie for regressing in, in year long zeros yeah. Yeah, you know, I'm
4: going on defense, expecting some regression out of Josh Manson, uh, who had an awesome year last year for Anaheim. And it's not to say that, um, you know, he, he's still a very good defenseman, uh, but I think his, uh, his point production last year got inflated by, uh, you know, a high on-ice shooting percentage, uh, pushing 10%. And I just think, as I, as I said, this Anaheim team isn't great, uh, and I could see that, that on-ice shooting percentage coming down and, um, and therefore Manson's, uh, Point production uh, going down with it, and you know, and this is, I guess, a, a combination of, of the problems with Carlson and Stone, right? Carlson's case, I'm talking about the percentages coming down. And I think that applies to Manson. Uh, in Stone's case, I don't like his supporting cast, and that's kind of the case with Manson too. So mm. he, he gets hit on both sides. Uh, when it comes to goaltender, I'm going Mark Andre Fleury. Uh, again, this this might seem a little obvious since he's a veteran goalie who's coming off the the best season of his career uh, statistically, um, but. I think it was natural to expect regression, and and given his start to the season, you know, regression has hit him hard already. And <laughs> uh, and so, and so uh, you know, I mean, we're, we're we're very early, and so I don't don't want to, um, you know, write it off altogether. But I I think it was uh, almost a sure thing that he would not match last year's numbers, and and given his start this year, I think that, that is, uh that correction is is already in place.
0: And Scotty, that's that, that's really the Golden Knights in a nutshell coming into this year, right? Like everything worked, everything clicked, everything was above expectations last year. Like this, what if this team just comes back down to the mean, to what they were supposed to be? Where do you see them finishing up? Is this still a a playoff team? Is this a wild card team?
4: I think they can be a playoff team. Uh, I mean, but but now, yeah, like playoff team, maybe they are just a wild card, mm. um, but like because they did make some good moves right sure, sure. Like, you know you get patch ready you get paul Stastny. like those are uh, the kinds of moves that should help you be uh competitive now um but uh i mean I, I, one of the things that as we evaluate teams we i think we sometimes forget how how much goaltending matters right um and and so you know when a goaltender has you know a really great year um you know we've kind of keep it in our minds, of, oh, well, that, that'll just continue. And, and obviously that's not the case, but it also works in reverse. Like I, like I look at a team like Montreal Canadiens, who, I mean, they're probably not going to be good this year, but Carey Price was uh, terrible last year. And certainly from Carey Price standards, he was terrible. Like if Carey Price turns around and gives the Canadians, you know, a Carey Price season, you know, the 925 save percentage or better. Well, I mean, they're not going to be terrible. You know, the, the results are, are going to be um Competitive because you you got great goaltending. Yeah, and be top that, was, that was the story of Terry Price for a number of years in Montreal is that the team wasn't that great, and he kind of lifted them into um, into mediocrity or even better mm-hmm. and and so the reverse is kind of what uh, is going on in Vegas is that um you know if if flurry can't you know carry them the way he did last season uh do, do they have kind of the, the rest of the team to to pick up the slack and I, I do think they have enough of enough talent there that they can still be a playoff team but yeah i don't see them uh kind of running away with their division the way they did last season
0: scotty great insight as always people can find your work all over tsn.ca statistically speaking and on twitter at tsn scott Collin. thank you so much man
4: awesome thank you Andy.
0: There you go, Scott Cullen from TSN.ca, and that will do it for us. Another edition of TSN Hockey Analytics in the books. Again, if you missed any of the show, iTunes, Twitter, at andymc one at TSN Analytics. On the show page, TSN1050.ca, check it out there. Thank you so much to all of our guests. So for producer Sean Lavery, I'm Andy McNamara. You've been listening to TSN Hockey Analytics on TSN 1050 Toronto.